Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Oh, 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 I'm Chris Steyerwalt. And I'm Eliana Johnson. And welcome to Ink Stained Wretches, where we merrily break down what's going wrong and what's going right with the American news media. Eliana Johnson, the Internet can't hear it, but I've got my Christmas pants on. I've been excited about our what will be our last of the year Ink Stained Wretch. We will wretch just this last time this year here the Thursday before Christmas. And I am feeling the vibe. I'm feeling the energy. This will be our, as you said, our last episode of the year, I, which I'm quite excited about, ready to wrap up 2023. You had a big 2023. So did you. I mean, I'm just big, but the... You're you're less big these days. <laughs> well, the I, bags I, of meat are doing good things somewhat, for you. Somewhat less fat. It is true that I'm some, somewhat less fat. It just turns out you can always think about food, but just you have to spend some of the time thinking about not eating it. But you had a great, you had a big, great year, and I am so happy for you and all of your success. It's really good. And by the way, the success of this, this humble podcast. Well, thank you. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Should we dive in? Dive. Let's Do it. Let's dive into our front page. Where we have Harvard President Claudine Gay. Mwah. And... There are a lot of new developments in the story of her. Start with start from the beginning. Plagiarism. Um, So in the wake of her disastrous testimony before Congress, the what did she governing say? What did she say? Everyone knows what she said. We'll just say it for people Um, who are not. The the president of Penn was fired, et cetera, because she wouldn't because they said that the calls for genocide of the Jews would be deemed harassment and intimidation on their campuses, depending on the context. And the context was depending on whether words turned into action, i.e. whether students took steps toward actually committing genocide. And coming from these people who had... Yeah, policed every microaggression and pronoun and created safe spaces and, and so on. So... So the Penn president gets cashiered after the Penn president is out after the Democratic and governor and one and the Democratic senators from Pennsylvania said, you exactly. are you got to be kidding me. And what happened is all of these women, the MIT president was up there, too, were in the national spotlight and their whole records came under more scrutiny. Who are these people? What qualified them to be there? So the because do- they were looking embarrassing. And the donors called Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, to the carpet and said we want her out so the board convened the board convened and said we're going to keep her we're going to protect her but then she had another problem and well, that problem was the washington they free were beacon. actually <laughs> they were simultaneous as the board convened the the free beacon ran a story about several inter- instances of plagiarism in her academic record and the New York Post had been on this story months before. So the board said, 
we back her. And the Post, which brought us this story in October, we've been investigating this. They had hired a defamation attorney to bully the Post, successfully bully the Post out of publishing this, which is a separate interesting media story because I believe the New York Post was successfully cowed Yeah, because the defamation counsel that Harvard hired, Claire Locke is the firm, is the same firm that represented Dominion Voting Systems (laughs) in its case against Fox News. Of course, both the New York Post and Fox News report up to the same man, Rupert Murdoch. So I believe the Post was more timid. There is absolutely no defamation case here. I can say, you know, it, it, truth is the ultimate defense against defamation. Truth, truth is the ultimate defense against and defamation. There's and no it's case. also possible that editors at the New York Post decided that the juice was not worth the squeeze and that it was a good story but not uh, a epochal story. But it turned into an epochal story once she shot herself in the foot in front of Congress. And her profile well, went and from- they still didn't run it. Yeah. They still didn't run it. And but who did? Anyhow, so- The Beacon runs it, and Harvard says, actually, we convened a separate investigation and governing, you know, we we got three. You you, you were much poo-pooed. You were much poo-pooed. Yes. And they found she she proactively requested corrections on her work, and And, she's wonderful. And they said it was an attribute, and this is, and we shouldn't pretend like plagiarism claims are simple. We've been through this with a lot of authors. What's her name? Who wrote Team of Rivals? Doris uh, Kearns Doris Goodwin. Doris Kearns Goodwin. We, th- this is this is something that we in the media are familiar with, and there is a difference. Sometimes you f- you miss quotations, and sometimes you fa- you fail to attribute correctly, and that can be true. And that's what Gay and Harvard were saying was, oh well, this is yes, obviously some some mistakes were made, but there was no bad faith plagiarism. Dun um, dun dun. And the story is further complicated by the fact that there. Their plagiarism standards for students say, whether intentional or not, this is grave and serious and all this stuff. Um, So Harvard comes out backing her. But of course, the thing about plagiarism is it's kind of like sexual harassment. Like people don't just do it one time. And even though the beacon had unearthed, we had unearthed 29 examples, more began to dribble out. And an anonymous scholar at another institution filed an official complaint detailing 40 instances of plagiarism with Harvard has an official office of academic integrity. And so the beacon ran another piece, fresh allegations of plagiarism unearthed an official academic complaint against Claudine Gay. And I'll just read briefly the new allegations, which were submitted to Harvard's research integrity officer, Stacy Springs, include the examples reported by the Washington Free Beacon and other outlets, as well as dozens of additional cases in which Gay quoted or paraphrased authors without proper attribution, according to a copy of the complaint. They range from missing quotation marks around a few phrases or sentences to entire paragraphs lifted verbatim. What's, and this even what's her, found... What's her specialty? What is her, her specialty is she's a political scientist of who... Course. yeah. Who and government professor who Boo. spoke as, and teaches African American history and voting patterns, and Ugh. but the funniest one they found was that she had even lifted language um, from somebody else's acknowledgments. Uh. So, enter the New York Times, mm-hmm. 
Oh, actually, sorry. Okay. Enter CNN. Okay. Which writes, Harvard president's corrections, because, you know, she had gone in and proactively asked for corrections. She's proactive. Do not address the clearest instances of plagiarism, including as a student in the 1990s. So CNN is entering to say, eh, Harvard, your problem's not solved. Yeah, they're they're lightly lightly saying, well, maybe a little a little more might be in order here. And CNN reports in response to accusations of plagiarism, the embattled Harvard president recently submitted corrections to two papers she wrote as a professional academic in 2001 and 2017. But a CNN examination of Gay's published works documented that Gay committed other clearer examples of plagiarism while she was studying for her Ph.D. at Harvard in the 1990s. Those include an instance in her dissertation where she copied lines verbatim from another source. CNN did this? Without citation. Was this Kaczynski? Someone who works with him. Good um, for in you, In addressing CNN. the allegations of plagiarism, neither Harvard nor Gay have corrected or acknowledged these earlier instances from when she was a student. These instances were first reported by the Washington Free Beacon. And I, I don't say good for you, CNN, because I have a particular animus against this. Uni- there are many bad university presidents, I'm sure, in, the, in these United States of America. But good for CNN. The My point always in these things is I love it when I see people in news organizations willing to upset their audience a little bit or say things that are that make their audience uncomfortable. So good for you. And to me, you know, there's a lot of focus on Claudine Gay and the Harvard president. But to me, this is really a story about the Harvard Corporation, which yeah. is the governing body of Harvard University that claims it undertook this proactive investigation and cleared her. And there are about a dozen members of that corporation, including the former president of Princeton University, the former president of Amherst College, some of the Penny Pritzker, who was the Commerce Secretary of the Obama administration. So all these people are in on what is essentially a dishonest cover up of what's happening to clear her. And to and to go down for academic errors in a made up discipline seems particularly bad. That's that like it, se- it seems for, I, I know, Nate, I know it's I, I know. But just just a message to all of the poly undergrads out there listening. Just switch to history. Just do it. Just suck it up. Switch to history. It's better. So the the coup de gras and all this was the New York Times entering the fray um, with the headline. The headline is laughable, but the story is actually quite good. Harvard finds more instances of duplicative language in Claudine Gay's work. Um, so has she been fired yet? She has not been fired, but... Uh, as of this recording. As of this recording, but New York Times, Harvard didn't find them. Harvard did not find anything. So what do you do? I want to I want to talk, I want to get back to the media story, but what happens to her? So as of this recording, she has not been Nothing. fired. Nothing. They're so wh- just what sweeping under the rug. What's your bet? Oh, they're not I sweeping think, this up. I think that they will hope that the holiday break provides a break to the drip, drip, drip of these stories. However, what we also learned yesterday, and I want to read a quote from a Harvard law professor that I think says a lot about what's happening here yeah. that he gave to the New York Times. We learned yesterday that the House Education Committee, which is where this whole thing started with the testimony of these university professors, has expanded its probe into the allegations of plagiarism against gay. And that means it is quite possible that members of the Harvard Corporation and gay will be called back onto the Hill 
And what I have a hunch they will probe is who are the students Harvard has expelled and over what? And they will highlight for the country this double standard. And I think that has a problem and to be really problematic and humiliating <laughs> for these titans of business, these former Ivy League university presidents who sit on this corporation. This has gone beyond gay and is it is about the leadership of the university and these other people. And the Congress has oversight over Harvard because of the federal monies that Harvard the receives. The billions of dollars that Harvard receives. <laughs> and, and I think it will be very difficult for... For them to tell Congress to pound sand when this has become a matter a matter of public interest. I think she's got to. I think I think whatever they do, I don't think she can persist as the president of Harvard. I don't think. Um, that, I don't think that's possible. So the Harvard, but but the dynamic that I think is happening now because the clip that went viral was the Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik battling with Claudine Gay. Right. The Harvard law professor, Charles Freed, who was actually solicitor general in the Reagan administration, he says of the plagiarism allegations to The New York Times, it's part of this extreme right wing attack on elite institutions, said Charles Freed, a professor at Harvard Law School. The obvious point is to make it look as if there is this woke double standard at elite institutions. If it came from some other quarter, I might be granting it some credence, he said of the accusations, but not from these people. From and you I people. think from you from, people from yes. So I think you that are is, these people. That is a lot of what's happening is they don't want to be perceived as buckling to political enemies. So I'm going to say something very naive and you will laugh at me as I say it for saying it, which is maybe Claudine Gay will do the right thing and step aside. Maybe she will say, I'm going to go. I don't know what you do with a with a dubious doctorate in poli sci, but go someplace else and teach. Maybe, you know what she could do? She's she's famous now. She could go write a book about her journey and how she was victimized by you. She could name check you. You could, you could do the Washington read and find yourself in the back of the book that she writes talking about all of this stuff. But maybe she'll do the right thing and go do another job because she shouldn't. Here, here's the thing that I know, Larry Summers, Remember Larry Summers? He was the Treasury Secretary. Was he? He was Obama. He was Obama's Treasury Secretary, but he was the head of Bill Clinton's Council of Economic Advisors. He's an economist, and he was president of Harvard. And Larry Summers got canned or stepped aside because he said a, a true thing. Do you remember the true thing that he said? Oh, I remember. What was it? He said... In so many words, that young men, yes, may be more interested, more interested in STEM subjects, yep, than young women, yep. Period. Period. He was talking about how come there's so many, why the gender imbalance in the hard sciences, and Larry Summers said a true thing, which is dudes maybe like it more than than ladies. Maybe that's maybe that's what happens. And he was, and I believe he quit of his own accord. I don't, I don't. Oh, he was shoved out. Well, he was shoved, but he went, right, under pressure. It, maybe Gay will do the same thing. Maybe, I don't think so. You think she stays to the bitter end? I think it's gone beyond, like, if she was going to step aside, she would say, for the good of the university, yeah. this is a distraction. That, that ship has sailed, Chris. That ship has sailed. 
for you're going to end up in the Yale Hall of Fame for this. If you if if you if you end up crippling Harvard's executive core, you're going to end up Yale. Yale will give you a, a golden bulldog. I don't think so. You'll be made an. I don't think so. You'll be made an honorary whipping whipping poop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we have next? Oh, the sex tape. Well, so it's I like these two together because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Which is. Who makes the accusation? Who says it is so? So in the case of Harvard's president, the story was the Washington Free Beacon. No way. This is a right wing attack. This can't be true. Circle the wagons and then find yourself utterly entrenched. Let me gather around. Was, it wasn't even the beacon. The Daily Caller well, right. broke so this the, story. So, the, so this yeah. is, this is a, a, a less reputable but also right of center publication. So gather around, children, and let me tell you the tale of Aiden Mace Saporsky. I've got I've got to get it I've got to get it uh right. Yes, Mace Saporsky, who apparently, and I I apologize for any errors here, but as best as I understand it, there was a chat group, a text group for gay Hill staffers. Yeah. People They're gay men in politics, something yes, like that. Something like that. And this individual was having Congress, if you will, with another individual, basically at Amy Klobuchar's spot on the desk in, was this the, is this, which, was this Cannon? In a hearing room. Yeah. Well, I guess it was Hart. I don't know, but it was Hart. Okay. The, a Hart with love. Yes. Okay. And um, apparently this clip was shared on the text group. Now, I don't want to say anything about the trustworthiness of a bunch of people who are sharing hot, sexy time action with uh, random strangers in a text group, but maybe not a reliable group. Maybe you can't count on them to keep all of your secrets. So this gets out, and the Daily Caller, Tucker Carlson's former publication, gets hold of it. Henry Rogers at the Daily Caller gets hold of it and puts it out. And I want to read you the headline, which is still standing on NBC News's webpage. So, and by the way, we should say, in a nor in normal circumstance, this should be a pretty this should have been pretty swift, right? This should have been like, wow. Like it would burn for a minute, but it would be like, we see it, we're doing it. He's being shot out of a cannon into the Potomac River. Here's a headline on the NBC News story. Senate staffer alleged by conservative outlets to have had sex in hearing room is no longer employed. Now, I've backed into some headlines in my life, but that is backing into a headline right there. And the hedging and the hedging. So here's the NBC on Friday, the Daily Caller, a conservative news outlet, meh, published what it said was the video showing a congressional staffer having, quote, sex with an unknown man in the Senate hearing room. It added that the video was shared, quote, in a private group for gay men in politics. NBC News has not confirmed the authenticity of the video, or the identities of the participants. Conservative outlets then allege that Mace Sapowski, a legislative aide for Cardin, was one of the men in the video. And that headline and that construction of this, making the media story first, do you're too young for this, but John Edwards and his hair once ran for president. And, oh, I was there for it. And John Edwards had a baby mama. And the only ones who had the story, no, that no, the only ones who were willing to go with the story was the National Enquirer. Yes. And the National Enquirer chased John Edwards down. 
and he hid in the bathroom. My favorite detail of the yes. story. Well, my two favorite details of the John Edwards story were number one, his promise to his baby mama that they would get married in a rooftop wedding ceremony and that I believe John Mayer would play at something super cringe, super cringe, like super cringe. Dave Matthews or whatever. We'll do it all. And of course, this was made more complicated by the fact that John Edwards, central to John Edwards' identity, was his doting affection for his cancer-stricken wife. Kind oh of, my gosh. Kind of hurt the rep. So the National Enquirer gets the story. They've got him. For a long time, the story is just there. And nobody is willing to go with it and talk about it because it's the National Enquirer, for goodness sakes. The Daily Caller, you can like or dislike the Daily Caller. It's on tape. But it's on tape. It's there. They have the video. There he is. There's the room. We've got it. And the, I'm sorry, bending over backwards for for this is just, uh, it was this and the, and the Claudine Gay story really sum it up. And then we finally get to, I'm sorry to say this, the, 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 the subsequent coverage, my favorite headline from the imbroglio, horny on the hill, staffers react to the sex tape from Washingtonian magazine. Way to keep it classy, Washingtonian magazine. I also love that in the most Washington move ever, the, the aide in question who is having congress posted his creed accord on LinkedIn, which is the most... Oh, his statement. The, Can the you most, read it? The most hill rat way to possibly do this. His statement was amazing. Here's the statement. This has been a difficult time for me. <laughs> As I have been attacked for who I love to pursue a political agenda. Well, some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment. I love my job. That's one way of saying it. And would never disrespect my workplace. Any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated. And I will be exploring what legal options are available yeah. to me in these matters. Well, sir, your legal the legal options available to you in these matters are getting fired and going away. Those are those are your legal options that you have in this matter. Great googly moogly. I mean, talk about not not getting it. Poor Ben Cardin. Oh who my is, gosh. Who is retiring and who is Biden year going out with a bang. He's oh hey oh <laughs> who is Biden years old and retiring as the very senior senator from Maryland. Nate, he will be replaced by Angela also Brooks, the Prince George's County Executive. I'm well, I, I see our first bet for 2022 is shaped uh-huh. uh, to shaping up. I'm I'm taking I'm taking DC. You can take Baltimore, but He's on his way out in a safe Democratic seat. So you know what happens in these offices when your you, when your congressman, when your senator or congressman, is done, it rots. Right, the staff rots because he's not running again. Everybody who can get a job someplace else has gotten is getting a job someplace else. They're trying to get on with the next thing, and so hijinks like this happen. And I just feel do bad. hijinks like this. You say it like it's inevitable. How much? Awful. Oh my gosh! How Chris. much in the pre-cell phone that era? Is... In the pre-cell in the pre-cell phone era, what else has happened? Oh my In gosh. the hollowed halls of Congress, do okay. you think this is the first libidinous act that has ever taken place in a congressional space? 
I think you're like defining deviancy down or whatever. Congress has been defining deviancy okay. down since the 19th century. I feel I feel str- I feel strongly that. To your point, we apparently have another sex scandal to discuss. I know. Um, Do tell. Semaphore reports that there is another congressional staffer who they are not naming who participated in explicit videos and he disputed some elements of the characterization of an episode. I need to get the details of this. A spokesperson for Representative Dan Newhouse, a Republican from Washington, confirmed that reports of purported unbecoming behavior by a senior staffer in his office triggered an investigation last year, but no conclusive evidence was found. The staffer denied he participated in explicit videos. It's not clear that these were recorded in... Oh, I guess they were. It says these are capital sex videos that circulated on Snapchat. Oh, dear. They featured in the Snapchat story of a user going by Adam J. According to the recordings viewed by Semaphore, one of the videos... Oh, gosh. I don't even want to read this. Wait, wait. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. Let me get there. I got to pull up the story. Oh, my gosh. Holy smokes. What do we got here? What paragraph? One... Whoa! <laughs> okay. It's let bad. me... I can euphemize our way through this. One of the videos watched by Semaphore featured a man, a man well hold on what i think that i think the term i want to use here is weinsteining himself harvey weinsteining himself inside a house office building which was identifiable by the standard capital house furniture and carpeting the desk at which the videographer very fancy way to describe a person oh taking gosh. a video of somebody giving themselves yeah. the old, the old Weinstein. <laughs> the desk at which oh the videographer gosh. performed also held a branded congressional mouse pad. Gross. A <laughs> screenshot of a second video obtained by Semaphore shows two men ooh, engaged in a sex act in an office setting. Participants faces are not visible. I mean, gross, guys. Just it's so bad. Just gross. Just gross. All right. That brings us to <laughs> the more, videographer. More grossness of a different sort. <laughs> the videographer. But we are going to have nice things to say about the Washington Post. Yeah, good job, Washington Post. Which reports James Biden's deal making caught on FBI tapes in unrelated Mississippi bribery pr- probe. And the Post reports. Richard Dickey Scruggs, a famed Mississippi trial attorney, was tantalizingly close to a historic deal to force tobacco companies to pay billions of dollars. But there was one last hurdle. A divided Congress had to sign off. And and Scruggs had identified one of the most skeptical senators, Joe Biden, as a key to winning the vote. Scruggs turned to Biden's younger brother, James, an old acquaintance who ran a D.C. consulting firm with his wife, Sarah. He paid the firm $100,000 in 1998. For advice on passing the bill, Scruggs said in an interview at his office here the first time he has disclosed the amount. I probably wouldn't have hired him if he wasn't the senator's brother. Oh, talk duh, (laughs) Scruggs said. Biden eventually backed the bill, which ultimately failed to pass Congress. Scruggs' deal with James Biden highlights how President Biden's brother has for decades benefited financially from his proximity to his powerful sibling. I really I wish someone pay me a hundred grand for being a sister. You'd, you'd be uh, worth a relationship it. that is newly relevant today as congressional Republicans investigate whether President Biden assisted his family members business deals during Joe Biden's 36 years in the Senate, eight years as vice president and now three years as president. James Biden's private business work as a consultant for hire and beside the behind the scenes political fixer has often intersected with his brother's public responsibilities. 
I can't even get my sister to send me lemon squares for Christmas. I don't think anybody would pay me a hundred wow. grand to get access to to her. The Joe Biden's hackish, hackish, hackishness. Now it's not Bob Menendez level. Put the gold bars, but it's the standard dirtbag. Oh, and everybody has one. There was a congressman for West Virginia, of course, is replete. Its history is replete with this kind of dirtbaggery. But there was the congressman from the third district who had a sister who had a consulting firm. Well, if you wanted to get something done, you maybe want to hire his sister. Or there was the congressman from the first district who had a family foundation, a charitable family foundation. And if you had business in front of his committee, it might be very helpful if you made a generous donation to that family foundation. This is the kind of gross stuff that Joe Biden, noted hack of the Senate, was engaged in. And it's obvious. But good for the Washington Post for, at a time very inconvenient for Joe Biden, back to Profiles and Courage Awards, for doing a story on James Biden at a very inconvenient time. And the, the part of it I find most fascinating is Dickie Scruggs. Totally. Because Dickie Scruggs and- Did so, he go to jail? Sh- I, I, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be careful as I talk about Dickie Scruggs, a, a litigious person, if ever there was one. Yeah, he was sentenced to five years in prison. So back in the glory days of mass tort litigation for, for bribing a judge, I remember that. So Dickie Scruggs and Ness Motley, the Mississippi big boys with their private jets flying around the country, racking up these multi-billion-dollar lawsuits and doing all that stuff. Of course, we're huge friends of the Democratic Party and huge friends of labor. And so the trial lawyers and the labor unions and the Democratic Party, and speaking of John Edwards, was all one swell gang, gang of guys. And the fact that not only was Dickie Scruggs willing, but that the Post was like, I wonder what Dickie Scruggs has to say about all this. That's just good, good reporting and an interesting story. Well done, Washington Post. What do we have next? Well, it never ends. The, the self-licking ice cream cone of Donald Trump coverage. Headline, New York Times, Trump, attacked for echoing Hitler, says he never read Mein Kampf. I think it's possible that Donald Trump has never read a book. So I am I am willing to believe that he did not, in fact, read all of Mein Kampf, which is a boring and tedious book. So, and of course, this is countered the by the Times' own Maggie Haberman, who in her book recounts a story previously reported in which Trump's first wife said that he kept a copy of Mein Kampf on his bedside table and admired the oratorical powers of Hitler, which is a a story which may or may not be true. With Trump, the lying, I, I don't know that Trump knows what's true, especially about stuff that he's been lying about for decades. But anyway, is Trump Hitler? So we get to do it again this week, right? One more week of, last time it was, what was the previous? Oh, fascist on, or authoritarian on day one. So two weeks ago, we got to do a week of Trump says he'll be an authoritarian, a dictator, but only on day one. Sean, you hear me? Only on day one. (laughs) And now we have destroying the blood of our country, which is, of course, a very terrible thing to say. It's very terrible. And by the way, Donald Trump, his mother was an immigrant. His grandfather was an immigrant. His grandmother was an immigrant. He is a first-generation American. We are a nation of immigrants. And talking about destroying the blood of our, the, the, destroying the blood of our country, there is no blood. There is no American blood. We are a creedal nation. 
we are united in principle under the those those aspirations laid out in the Declaration of Independence. There's no American blood. This is, of course, an awful thing to say. Full full stop. But then, what we get to do is ricochet this thing back and forth in the press, so that now we're down to whether or not Donald Trump read Mein Kampf. Now, let's be clear. You can read Mein Kampf and not like Adolf Hitler. I read Mein Kampf. A lot of people are assigned to read, or maybe I don't know how it is anymore, but long ago, people in high school and college might have been assigned to read Mein Kampf or parts of it to understand Hitler's state of mind in German politics this after the Beer Hall Putsch. This is one of the Hall things, Putsch. actually, sorry to interrupt you, no, that no. I really hate about the moment we're in, Yeah, where there's huge value in reading things like Mein Kampf yeah. and Das Kapital and Nietzsche and things that are skip, if you're listening if any of my children are listening skip the Nietzsche skip influential challenging that we may not agree with but that were enormously influential in the world you know Mao's writings Mao's speeches yeah. Hitler's speeches yep and it's turned into like some black mark against you if you grapple with these ideas which that, everyone should do and Trump and Trump Interestingly, and and this is the 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 unhealthy vacuum of Trump and New York Times. So Trump, in his speech, when he is trolling the media harder, and I I would commend to everybody Jonah Goldberg's recent piece on taking Trump's authoritarianism seriously, cosign accurate and a good a good piece, good to good to think about. But so Trump knows, and we talked about this vis a vis the dictator on day one. He says it. The media freaks out. The anti-anti-Trump Republicans, who otherwise know better, that we don't say it's wrong to support someone who says that the that immigrants destroy our blood. They defend him against what they perceive as the over overzealous coverage, and he gets to all the while, while the mainstream Republican Party is defending him, gets to and I will use the overused phrase, dog whistle, the real bigots, right? He gets to say to them like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm over here talking about the, the purity of our blood. Anyway, the weird loop with Trump in the New York Times. Maggie Haberman puts the Mein Kampf thing in her book. Who cares? Trump cares because it's in the New York Times. And so he's giving a speech where he's trolling again and he throws in this line, which seems like it's out of nowhere, right? It seems like it's just... Why would you just throw in that you've never read Mein Kampf? He's throwing in that he never read Mein Kampf because he's answering Maggie Haberman in the New York Times by putting it in there. So what does the New York Times do? Uh, here we're coming back on it. Did or did not. It doesn't matter whether Donald Trump read Mein Kampf because Donald Trump, again, may have never read a book. And who cares? That's not the point. And it's a it's a defeating, empty cycle that that doesn't address the fundamental structural problems and instead deals in cyclical outrage. Boo. Harumph. Um, should we talk about the Washington Post? Fight the power. Do it. The Washington Post newsroom has been locked in. <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't laugh at you people. I'm sorry. A battle with management, which offered them they, they need 10% of the newsroom to take buyouts, and they have succeeded in doing them, but in, in doing that. But the newsroom is pushing for higher and higher salaries. So the post newsroom, I believe, or, or the management has agreed to 
two has offered, and they say their best and final offer is a 2.5% pay raise for this year and 2% pay raises in each of the next couple of years. And a, and a bonus. And a $500 per person ratification bonus if they agreed by the end of this year. And the leaders of the Post Union, called the News Guild, are not agreeing to this. So they sat in on the news meeting. They they stormed it. Stormed in yesterday morning. And they are very they upset. Occupied. They are rejecting. Yes, they called it an occupation. And they are rejecting this. So, so that's that. Oh, my gosh. What children? That's that. What, what um, children? You know, and, am and I they... crazy to think? My view on this is, you guys really think you're worth more like go somewhere else that's going to pay you more do you do you all use slack at the, at the free beacon we i've ne- i've never logged into slack and i'm i'm keeping my streak alive i, I believe i can some, do it i resisted it for so long but it does have some benefits that's what they tell me yeah. people tell me a lot of things I, I one time they they came up with a program when i was working someplace else previously that was called yammer and yeah you were supposed to yam or yammer with each other and it was with the arrival of Yammer that I determined I'm out. I'm out of this. Whatever whatever comes beyond Yammer, I, I will go no further. E- please email me at the following address or text. Uh, but anyway, they occupied, They didn't just occupy the morning news meeting. They occupied the Slack channel to say, is this what you think we're worth? About $500. And I would get, I guess I would say... Well, if you're occupying the morning meeting so that we can't get the paper out and you're spamming the Slack channel with this business, I don't even think you're worth that. I don't even think you're worth the 500 bucks. So beat it. Jeez Louise. I mean, I may have some old-fashioned, outdated view, but but my view is that if that is what you're worth, seek another job that will remunerate you. Last week we talked about um, appropriately Matty Glacius's really good piece on um, the business of journalism and how you have to take business models seriously. I listened to my my colleague Blake Berman, who hosts The Hill on News Nation. Check it out on your local cable provider, five p.m. Eastern weeknights. So because of Blake, I was I've been subjected to some of Jeff Bezos in a two-hour podcast talking about having a trillion people live in space. And that they'll come to Earth like a national park. And, I, you know, the HGH, I assume, is has affected his his neurotransfer. I, I don't know. I don't know how to fully explain what's going on with Jeff Bezos. But talk about a midlife crisis. Anyway, the the business model at The Washington Post is currently for Jeff Bezos to lose money on The Washington Post. And I don't know how else to say it except for this is just a childish approach to this situation to demand that a paper that is losing money offer more and more money at a time when newsrooms are closing and newspapers are shutting down around the country it's just it's just it's just kid stuff is all well that's a nice transition to our facile file is this facile or is this just mean i don't know what do you think? Is this is there, is this facile? Speaker Mike Johnson and daughter were profiled attending Purity Ball in 2015 German TV news segment. And this goes to, you know, we've talked previously about the, and this is an ABC News article, about the mainstream media's unending attempt to 
show everybody that Mike Johnson is a crazy Christian nationalist. He's a weirdo. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Totally weird. And the ABC News writes, years before Mike Johnson would ascend to number two in the presidential (laughs) line of succession, a German TV news outlet profiled the future Speaker of the House and his then-teenage daughter. This looks like please a wedding. Read, please do it in a German this accent. This looks like a wedding, a news reporter says in German. In a 2015 NTV news segment that was unearthed by ABC News. Great way to spend your time, guys. But they are not they are bride not... and groom, but Raza, Faza, and daughter, the reporter adds. Oh, my god! And they're literally, it's a father sitting next to his daughter at a dinner table. Okay, I'm going to withhold... How horrible that a daughter would attend a purity ball with his daughter. That is awful. I am not going to wade into the question of purity balls. It's not my it's 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 not my place to say. But it is a thing that a lot of people do, right? It is a, it is a fairly common. It is a, it is a fairly common thing. We could we could we could it if says this was, the balls objectify young girls. There there are there are arguments in favor and arguments against the emphasis on chastity in young women over chastity in young men. And there are lots of lo- lots of interesting discussions that could be had around these things. But certainly in large swaths of America, this is not like joining a cult and shaving your head, right? This is a if if you have have you ever been to to Shreve not yeah, Shreveport, Louisiana? No. Northern Louisiana, I'm sure that these are well attended I'm sure these are well-attended functions. That is the buckle of the Bible Belt, and I'm sure that the focus on virginity and chastity in young women is is real and has been real there for a very long time. My, I'm so there is. I guess that's facile. I guess the the shock at this. I guess that is the facile component. But here's what got me: Why is this? So why is it a news story? Why is this a news story? Here's the phrase: ABC News. Here's your phrase that was unearthed by ABC News. That was unearthed. So this is a news story for one of the big three networks because it was unearthed by ABC News. A German. Now, I have two thoughts. One is, I bet not. I bet that it was not unearthed by ABC News. I bet that Media Matters or somebody doing opposition research on Mike Johnson found this cringy, cringy, cringy video from the Germans and said, who wants this? This is this is a pretty good one. This is a pretty good one. Unearthed by ABC News is on par with surfaced, right? That has been surfaced recently, which is here's this old thing that's not quite a news story, but we think maybe it's it's good content. So we're just going to post it here. That's that's number one. And number two is who cares? Again, Mike Johnson. Maybe you think Mike Johnson's a weirdo. Maybe Mike Johnson is a weirdo. I assume he's made by A.I., my my belief is that Mike Johnson is an AI simulation because of his name and his appearance. But whatever, whatever you think of Mike Johnson, this is I. It's just not a story. It's just not a story. ABC, come on, guys. Chris, that brings us to our style section. You got style, sister. And we are gonna. I'm taking this one for my favorite item, actually. So we're gonna do. Oh yeah, well this you're going to have to lead lead me in this style. We we talked previously about Gwyneth Paltrow's trial and the coverage of her wonderful fashion choices at her trial where she like bumped into a skier, I yes, think. Yes, 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 uh, yes. We d- we dove deep. 
So Rolling Stone reports, and this is thanks to producer Jennifer, Gwyneth goes skiing. Gwyneth Paltrow's ski trial as a gonzo musical, London theater duo has turned the Oscar-winning actress-turned-wellness-influers viral ski trial into a wacky musical play running through February. So you know what? We'll get to see those outfits again. We should, if anybody goes, please let us know. Please, if anybody um, finds himself in the West yes. End taking in yes. Gwyneth goes skiing, I guess there's worse place. Oh, by the way. I took the boys to see the staging of A Christmas Carol at Ford's Theater, and it's lovely and really, really good. And if you're listening to this on Friday and you're looking for something to do around Christmas, it's really, really good. I recommend it highly. Chris, that brings us to our obsessions of the week. Obsession. Where we break down these stories we can't get out of our head, and you have a little side bit of this story (laughs) but mine was the prisoner swap hostage swap that the biden administration announced yesterday in which 30 captives in venezuela were traded for one convicted felon that in the united states but i thought the coverage here was pretty terrible of this The New York Times covered this. U.S. releases ally of Venezuelan president in exchange for 10 Americans. So 20 of these were Venezuelans, members of the Venezuelan opposition who were released back. But 10 of them were Americans. However, we released a really bad guy by the name of Alex Saab. And the Times writes of Saab. And I think who this guy is, because this is a pattern of that the Biden administration has engaged in. We, we released a really bad Russian guy to get Brittany Griner back. Right. So the Times writes of Saab. But for some in Venezuela, the deal was a win for Mr. Maduro because it resulted in the release of Alex Saab, who has been accused by the United States of profiting from starvation of Venezuelan. Many Venezuelans, many Venezuelans say Mr. Saab has become synonymous with the worst abuses of the Maduro government. A Colombia businessman and financial fixer for Mr. Maduro, Mr. Saab, was indicted in 2019 in connection with a bribery scheme that siphoned an estimated $350 million from a Venezuelan government housing project, and so on and so forth. Well, that really only scratches the surface of who this guy is. In reality, this guy, Alex Saab, is a member of Hezbollah. Ah. And he was... To be more specific, a member of Hezbollah's external security organization known as Islamic Jihad, which you may have heard a little bit about in recent days. And a jury convicted him just in May of receiving training from Hezbollah and making false statements. And in this Justice Department indictment of him, it notes that Saab was in the U.S. surveilling sites in New York City as possible targets for terrorist attacks focusing on, quote, the structural weaknesses of locations in order to determine how a future attack could cause the most destruction. In addition to providing photos back to his bosses in Lebanon, Saab sent technical information on the structures of potential targets, including Rockefeller Center, the United Nations, and Times Square, and he attempted to murder a man he thought was an Israeli spy, but didn't succeed because his handgun wouldn't fire. This seems like pertinent information to note in the New York Times about the person we just sent back to Venezuela because it does raise questions, I think, about why a member of Hezbollah was so important 
to the Maduro government in Venezuela that they were willing to trade this one guy who's going back to Venezuela for the 30 people they released because the Maduro government has pursued this strategy of alliances with Russia, China, now Iran, Hezbollah, of course, basically a creation and patron of Iran, or Iran, a, pa- a patron of Hezbollah. And Maduro has made very clear that Venezuela will now be a safe haven for Iranian terrorist operatives. This is like an important geopolitical story that I think is not getting covered in this. And that is why it's my obsession. I, I just like it because his name's Fat Leonard. Oh, and, well, um, so Fat Leonard, the Malaysian businessman, uh, was released as part of this deal. As Again, part, as not part, an American. As, as part of the deal, Fat Leonard. And my advice everyone, other than switch to a history major, is also if they give you a nickname, you're probably in trouble. If you, if you, Especially if it's a name like Fat Leonard. Though I do like the return of criminals with nicknames, right? That is that is good. It's more lighthearted. It adds a little fun to crime coverage. Give them a little nickname, you know, Dutch, Pinky, whatever. Put a little something out there. Mix it up. R.I.P. Fat Leonard. Now, okay. now, I will say. So the Colorado Supreme Court in a 4-3 decision ruled that Donald Trump had engaged in insurrection against the Constitution by sending a mob of hooligans to the Capitol to disrupt the certification of the 2020 election. Now, the word insurrection is can mean a lot of things. Uh, you could generally say that it was an insurrection in the sense that they were trying to interrupt the proper functioning of government. You could also just call it a riot if you wanted to. And these can be subjective terms, except for in in a legal sense of what does the 14th Amendment say, this amendment to the Constitution, which was put in, radical Republicans put through during Reconstruction to make sure that Confederates did not, former Confederates, unreconstructed Confederates, did not return to power. And the there's an interesting question about the applicability of the 14th Amendment as it relates to Trump. It's already been found that for individuals who participated in the attack on the Capitol at least once, that he was a county commissioner, I think, in New Mexico, was kicked out of his kicked out of office for that. But certainly <clears throat> it is within the power of state elections officials to deem individuals qualified or disqualified for ballots. If you want to be president, you have to be 35. You have to be a natural born American citizen. If you want to be in the Senate, I think it's 30, right? I think it's 30 for the Senate. I think you've got to be 18 to be in the House, 30 for Senate. So we have we have restrictions. Constitution has restrictions on who can hold office. And, and certainly it would be within the power of state elections officials to make a determination about who should be on the ballot and who should not. Fine. And I also don't want the federal government to run elections. We, this is a good, a good thing for the states to do in terms of separation of power. It is another matter. <clears throat> it is very much another matter to say, as some and I will give them I will give some of them credit for being just dopey and others who are being tendentious to say that this is easy and straightforward. Uh, Trump was an insurgent, 14th Amendment or an, he was he was insurrect and the 14th Amendment therefore bars him from serving as president again. Ergo, Trump cannot be president again as if they found the cheat code in the Constitution to not have Donald Trump be president. 
And it, whatever it is, is not that simple. Whatever it is will not be that simple. And of course, there is a path out of this that takes us to the bad place. And the bad place is where different states recognize different presidents or different results of the Electoral College, or we have, as we did in 1876, Nate, you're, my fact-checking office is really down on the job today. That was 76, Tilden and Hayes, 76. And as we did in 1860, actual dispute over who had been elected president and who had not. So we updated, Congress updated the Electoral Count Act with an eye to clarify the vice president's powers in this matter to try to avoid the exact problems of 2020 and 2021. But we will have problems in 2024. I am here to tell you right now, we are going to have trouble. Trump is wild and he is unwilling to play by the rules. He has already demonstrated his willingness to try to circumvent. He has, he has acted against the Constitution already. He has already, he's already he, in, 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 in January of 2021, he already demonstrated his willingness. And in addition to that, we have Democrats now saying, well, what if we found a trapdoor? Remember John Eastman, the Trump lawyer, yeah, th that guy? I'm not saying that the the pro 14th Amendment people are as as either crazy or rotten as John Eastman. But the idea that we, there's a hack, there's a cheat code in here and we can just get around this and Joe Biden won't be president or Donald Trump won't be president is not how this is supposed to go. And so I, I would say whatever you think about this, you should be very cautious. So. In the category of giving praise to the Washington Post today, Ruth Marcus, none other than Ruth Marcus, writing in the Washington Post, the Supreme Court should toss the Colorado case. And as Ruth Marcus makes clear her bona fides at the beginning of the column by pointing out how much she hated the Bush v. Gore decision in 2000, lest, lest anyone think that she was a, a stealth conservative, that she strongly urges the members of the Supreme Court and in general to throw this out to on a 9-0 blanket, throw it out. Don't go down the path of courts trying to make these determinations. And here's what she says. One, and this would be my preference, involves the question Seymour raised, whether Section 3 is self-executing. Here, the justices have the benefit of a decision by Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase in 1869, the year after the 14th Amendment was ratified, that Section 3 requires enabling legislation. She goes on to talk about that. A second, more troubling avenue would be for the justices to conclude in opposition to the Colorado Supreme Court that Trump's speech is protected by the First Amendment. And she goes on why that's not, why she wouldn't like that. But makes clear, here's the conclusion, it was fitting that the Colorado court's ruling arrived on the day of the memorial service for Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who was re reliably reported to have regretted her vote with the Bush v. Gore majority. Probably the Supreme Court added to the problem at the end of the day, O'Connor told the Chicago Tribune in 2013. That is a good test for the current court. Will its eventual ruling, and one seems unavoidable, add to the problem or help resolve it? And while I disagree, I, I'm not, I haven't reconsidered Bush v. Gore in a long time. It's been 10 years since I probably thought about that and, and those things. But I would just say to people who are, take, take Ruth Marcus's word for it. Take Ruth Marcus's word for it that this would not 
resolve the matter, that the Supreme Court ruling that Donald Trump was not eligible to be on the ballot would resolve the matter. It would not and would no doubt lead, as Ron DeSantis already hinted, to states removing Joe Biden from the ballot for his violations of his constitutional oath for fill in the blank. And this is not this is not the road for us to go down. Harumph. A harumph in sorrow, not anger. That brings us to my favorite time of the week, Yay. which is reader mail. Do it. We have a note from Laura Budd, who writes, huge fan here. Saw this come across my feed and could not resist sending to you. Oh, boy. Keep up the good work listening to the podcast. Gives <gasps> me hope. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, Miss Bud, Miss Bud. Was the Boston Tea Party <laughs> an act of terrorism? It depends. Oh, baby. Yes. 250 years ago this week, a group of men descended on Boston Harbor, and this is in the Washington Post, boarded three privately owned ships and dumped more than 445 tons of tea overboard. They were upset about the Tea Act of 1773, part of a suite of taxes that the British Parliament used to fund the British governors in the colonies. It goes on to say, the story of that night became lore and the lore involved into a national myth. The Boston Tea Party came to symbolize the revolutionary spirit that led to independence. Yet there's another version of the event, one less suitable for national mythology. A horde of white men disguised themselves as Native Americans. Uh-oh, problematic. Covering their faces and donning headdresses in the same tradition that would lead to blackface minstrel shows decades later <laughs> to commit seditious conspiracy and destroy private property. The riotous mob uh, trespassed on three ships. And destroyed goods worth nearly $2 million in today's money, all because they didn't want to obey a duly passed law. Oh, magnificent. I was, I, it was, I was close. It was close to getting a five-star facile. This, this is the facile file. Uh, I get it five facile stars. And then taking it over the top at the end was the minstrel show comparison. That working in blackface into this... Just, I mean, I got to say, this is Theodore Johnson, uh, a contributing columnist for The Washington Post. W well done. Well done in being able to work in. Like somebody, like Sam Adams and the boys are standing around and somebody's like, you know what else would be fun about this? What if we sang Swanee River in, in blackface after this? Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. And Chris, we have a note from our friend Leonard Goodnight. Oh, Leonard! Who writes, hello, in last week's episode, Chris mentioned D.C. having teams in each of the big four sports leagues. This is true, but these days you should really talk about the big five, including Major League Soccer. Oh, Leonard. Washington has an MLS team as well, D.C. United. Leonard. I get that soccer doesn't have the history and tradition of the other four. MLS has only existed since 1996. But these days, MLS teams draw bigger crowds on average, circa 22,000, than the NBA, about 18,000, or NHL, around 17,000, though the league still doesn't take in as much as the others. MLS has a relatively tiny salary cap, for instance. At any rate, as Americans, it's our birthright to take the best British things and make them better, as we did with our system of government, tea biscuits, gravy, and Charles C.W. Cook. <laughs> Go check out a D.C. United game sometime. You'll enjoy it. It's also pretty cheap. In the spirit of Christmas love and forgiveness, I will not I will not harump this as hard as I want to. I am prepared, I think, but I think Mr. Goodnight has convinced me to revise my big four down to a big two. He was he was persuasive. 
and I'm just going to say it's football and baseball. And I'm, I'm willing, Leonard, you've made a good point. I'm going to let hockey and basketball go. It's just the big two. You're right. Chris, that brings us to your favorite time of the week. Where I am forced to say something nice. But as always, you must lead oh, me by example. This ends up being very timely, Mr. Goodnight. A poll, and I should say I wouldn't use this poll for politics because it's YouGov and therefore beneath the dignity even of a wretched podcast. But a YouGov poll finds the American cultural hegemony continues in Britain where the term Father Christmas is being crushed under the shiny black boot heel of Santa Claus and that American cultural dominance continues apace around the globe with Father Christmas now. So the the age split, Santa now leads among all Britons over Father Christmas, use of Father Christmas, and among 18 to 24-year-olds, it's 62% to 21%. Father Christmas down 12 points. So I guess the Boston Tea Party began a long climb to the top for the U.S. of A., and I can just say... Happy Christmas, Britain. Chris. Yes. Mine is got? this wonderful Wall Street Journal story that shows I went piece. to college decades too early. Swimming pools and granite countertops, how college dorms got so expensive. Housing is one of the biggest drivers of rising college costs in the U.S. for new luxury suites as well as old windowless rooms. Well, geez. I mean, <laughs> I was in a fourth floor walk up dump. Arizona State University students will pay more than $9,600 this year to live in a shared bedroom at Manzanita Hall, a 15-story dorm on the edge of campus with an exterior that looks like a honeycomb. About a decade ago, a private developer took over Manzanita and gave it a $50 million refresh, including new lounges, an upgraded lobby, and community kitchen. Then the cost of living there shot up. Now, after multiple increases, ASU students pay about 80% more than what Sun Devils paid to live in the building about 20 years ago, adjusted for inflation. And this story goes on to talk about, you should see these rooms. There are pictures in this story. They look like luxury apartments. This honeycomb building, I mean, wow. Wow. It's amazing. And everyone should take a look at these dorm rooms that the kids are living in these days. My my dorm was definitely did not have no. the Hamden Sydney College was not offering this kind of experience. I thought the fact that only two rooms shared one bathroom in the colonnades was pretty fly was was pretty was pretty great, but we did not have climbing walls or whatever. And we also we were blown away by the fact that there were all the breakfast cereals in those big plastic tubes. You got there, you could have as much breakfast cereal as you wanted. We thought that was pretty great. Well, with that. I think we can wish a happy new year and a Merry Christmas, a, a very a wretched happy, Christmas, a happy new year to all of our listeners. Thank you for a wonderful year. Yes, indeed. And we'll be back next we'll year. We'll be back with a with a wild and woolly campaign year. It's going to be a Absolutely. lot of fun. Yeah. We'll see if Claudine Gay is still president of Harvard. We'll report that and see if she gets in the Iowa caucuses. Back. You never know. Yeah. Um, but that is all the time we have for the news about the news. If you have a story you want us to talk about, email us at wretches at nebulouspodcasts.com. That's wretches at nebulouspodcasts.com. This has been Ink Stained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
leave us a review. Just search for wretches.